chapter three of life in the sick room essays by an invalid this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. life in the sick room essays by an invalid by harriet martineau chapter three nature to the invalid o mighty love man is one world and hath another to attend him george herbert let us find room for this great guest in our small houses emerson shut not so soon the dull-eyed night has not as yet begun to make a seizure of the light or to seal up the sun herrick when an invalid is under sentence of disease for life it becomes a duty of first-rate importance to select a proper place of abode this is often overlooked and a sick prisoner goes on to live where he lived before for no other reason than because he lived there before many a sufferer languishes amidst street noises or passes year after year in a room whose windows command dead walls or paved courts or some such objects so that he sees nothing of nature but such sky and stars as show themselves above the chimney-tops i remember the heartache it gave me to see a youth confined to a recumbent posture for two or three years lying in a room whence he could see nothing and dependent therefore on the cage of birds by his bedside and the flowers his friends sent him for the only notices of nature that reached him except the summer's heat and winter's cold there was no sufficient reason why he should not have been placed where he could overlook fields or even the sea if a healthy man entering upon a temporary imprisonment hangs his walls with a paper covered with roses and every one sympathizes in this forethought for his mind's health much more should the invalid who though he must be a prisoner has yet liberty of choice where his prison shall be provide for sustaining and improving his attachment to nature and for beguiling his sufferings by the unequalled refreshments she affords he will be wise to sacrifice indolence habit money and convenience at the outset to place himself where he can command the widest or the most beautiful view that can be had without sacrificing advantages more essential still there are few things more essential still but there are some such as medical attendance and a command of the ordinary conveniences of life what is the best kind of view for a sick prisoner's windows to command i have chosen the sea and am satisfied with my choice we should have the widest expanse of sky for night scenery we should have a wide expanse of land or water for the sake of a sense of liberty yet more than for variety and also because then the inestimable help of a telescope may be called in think of the difference to us between seeing from our sofas the width of a street even if it be sackville street dublin or portland place in london 
and thirty miles of sea-view with its long boundary of rocks and the power of sweeping our glance over half a county by means of a telescope but the chief ground of preference of the sea is less its space than its motion and the perpetual shifting of objects caused by it there can be nothing in inland scenery which can give the sense of life and motion and connection with the world like sea changes the motion of a waterfall is too continuous too little varied as the breaking of the waves would be if that were all the sea could afford the fitful action of a windmill the waving of trees the ever-changing aspects of mountains are good and beautiful but there is something more lifelike in the going forth and return of ships in the passage of fleets and in the never-ending variety of a fishery but then there must not be too much sea the strongest eyes and nerves could not support the glare and oppressive vastness of an unrelieved expanse of waters i was aware of this in time and fixed myself where the view of the sea was inferior to what i should have preferred if i had come to the coast for a summer visit between my window and the sea is a green down as green as any field in ireland and on the nearer half of this down haymaking goes forward in its season it slopes down to a hollow where the prior of old preserved his fish there being sluices formerly at either end the one opening upon the river and the other upon the little haven below the priory whose ruins still crown the rock from the prior's fish-pond the green down slopes upwards again to a ridge and on the slope are cows grazing all summer and half-way into the winter over the ridge i survey the harbour and all its traffic the view extending from the lighthouses far to the right to a horizon of sea to the left beyond the harbour lies another county with first its sandy beach where there are frequent wrecks too interesting to an invalid and a fine stretch of rocky shore to the left and above the rocks a spreading heath where i watch troops of boys flying their kites lovers and friends taking their breezy walk on sundays the sportsman with his gun and dog and the washwomen converging from the farmhouses on saturday evenings to carry their loads in company to the village on the yet further height i see them now talking in a cluster as they walk each with her white burden on her head and now in file as they pass through the narrow lane and finally they part off on the village green each to some neighbouring house of the gentry behind the village and the heath stretches the railroad and i watch the train triumphantly careering along the level road and puffing forth its steam above hedges and groups of trees and then labouring and panting up the ascent till it is lost between two heights which at last bound my view but on these heights are more objects a windmill now in motion and now at rest a lime-kiln in a picturesque rocky field an ancient church-tower barely visible in the morning but conspicuous when the setting sun shines upon it 
a colliery with its lofty wagon-way and the self-moving wagons running hither and thither as if in pure wilfulness and three or four farms at various degrees of ascent whose yards paddocks and dairies i am better acquainted with than their inhabitants would believe possible i know every stack of the one on the heights against the sky i see the stacking of corn and hay in the season and can detect the slicing away of the provender with an accurate eye at the distance of several miles i can follow the sociable farmer in his summer evening ride pricking on in the lanes where he is alone in order to have more time for the unconscionable gossip at the gate of the next farmhouse and for the second talk over the paddock fence of the next or for the third or fourth before the porch or over the wall when the resident farmer comes out pipe in mouth and puffs away amidst his chat till the wife appears with a shawl over her cap to see what can detain him so long and the daughter follows with her gown turned over her head for it is now chill evening and at last the sociable horseman finds he must be going looks at his watch and with a gesture of surprise turns his steed down a steep broken way to the beach and canters home over the sands left hard and wet by the ebbing tide the white horse making his progress visible to me through the dusk then if the question arises which has most of the gossip spirit he or i there is no shame in the answer any such small amusement is better than harmless is salutary which carries the spirit of the sick prisoner abroad into the open air and among country people when i shut down my window i feel that my mind has had an airing but there are many times when these distant views cannot be sought when we are too languid for any objects that do not present themselves near at hand here too i am provided i overlook gardens and particularly a well-managed market-garden from which i have learned and enjoyed not a little from the radish sowing in early spring to the latest turnip and onion cropping i watch the growth of everything and hence feel an interest in the frosts and rain which i should otherwise not dream of a shower is worth much to me when the wide potato-beds all dry and withering in the morning are green and fresh in the evening light and the mistress of the garden bringing up her pails of frothing milk from the cow-house looks about her with complacency and comes forth with fresh alacrity to cut the young lettuces which are sent for for somebody's supper of cold lamb the usual drawback of a seaside residence is the deficiency of trees i see none except through the telescope but one shabby sycamore which grows between my eye and the chimney of the baths in the haven but this is not a pure disadvantage i may see less beauty in summer but i also see less dreariness in winter the winter beauty of the coast is a great consideration the snow does not lie at least rarely for more than a very few hours and then it has no time to lose its lustre 
when i look forth in the morning the whole land may be sheeted with glittering snow while the myrtle green sea swells and tumbles forming an almost incredible contrast to the summer aspect of both and even to the afternoon aspect for before sunset the snow is gone except in the hollows all is green again on shore and the waves are lilac crested with white my winter pleasures of this kind were at first a pure surprise to me i had spent every winter of my life in a town and here how different it is the sun shines into my room from my hour of rising till within a few minutes of dusk and this almost by settled custom till february our worst month the sheeny sea swelling in orange light is crossed by fishing boats which look black by contrast and there is none of the deadness of winter in the landscape no leafless trees no locking up with ice and the air comes in through my open upper sash brisk but sun-warmed the robins twitter and hop in my flower-boxes outside the window and the sea-birds sit on the water or cluster on the spits of sand left by the tide within doors all is gay and bright with flowering narcissus tulips crocus and hyacinths and at night what a heaven what an expanse of stars above appearing more steadfast the more the northern lights dart and quiver and what a silvery sheet of moonlight below crossed by vessels more black than those which looked blackest in the golden sea of the morning it makes one's very frame shiver with a delicious surprise to look and the more the oftener one looks at a moonlit sea through the telescope at least it is so with one who can never get near the object in any other way i doubt whether there be any inland spectacle so singular and stirring except that which is common to both a good telescopic view of the planets this transcends all it is well to see by day the shadows of the walkers on the wet sands the shadows of the sails of a windmill on the sward the shadow of rocks in a deep-sea cave but far beyond this it is it to see the shadow of the disk of saturn on his rings how is it that so many sick prisoners are needlessly deprived of all these sights shut up in a street of a town what is there there that can compensate them for what they lose there is some set off to the winter privileges i have spoken of in an occasional day of storms perhaps two or three in each season these are very dreary while they last though considering the reaction the next fine day salutary on the whole on these days the horror of the winds is great one's very bed shakes under them and some neighbour's house is pretty sure to be unroofed the window cushions must be removed because nothing can keep out the rain not even the ugly array of cloths laid over all the sashes the rain and spray seem to ooze through the very glass the wet comes through to the ceiling however perfect the tiling the splash and dash against the panes are wearing to the nerves balls of foam drive like little balloons over the garden and sooner or later in the day we see the ominous rush of men and boys to the rocks and the ridge and we know that there is mischief 
we see either a vessel labouring over the bar amidst an universal expectation that she will strike or we see by a certain slope of the masts that she is actually on the rocks or she drives wilfully over to the sands in spite of all the efforts of steam tugs and her own crew and then come forth the lifeboats which we cannot help watching but which look as if they must themselves capsize and increase the misery instead of preventing it then when the crew are taken from the rigging and carried up to the port ensues the painful sight of the destruction of the vessel parties or files of women boys and men passing along the ridge or the sands with the spoils bundles of sailcloth arms full of spars shoulder loads of planks while in the midst there is sure to be a report false or true of a vessel having foundered somewhere near at hand on such days it is a relief to bar the shutters at length and close the curtains and light the lamp and if the wind will allow to forget the history of the day still more thankful are we to go to bed i can hardly say to rest for invalids are liable to a return in the night of the painful impressions of noon with exaggerations unless the agitation has been such as to wear them out with fatigue but as i said such days are very few two or three such in a year and two or three weeks of shifting sea fog in spring are nearly all the drawbacks we have nearly the only obscurations of nature's beauties how different are the seasons and their change to us and to the busy inhabitants of towns how common is it for townspeople to observe that the shortest day is past without their remembering it was so near or the equinox or even the longest day whereas we sick watchers have as it were a property in the changes of the seasons and even of the moon it is a good we would not sell for any profit to say to ourselves at the end of march that the six months of longest days are now before us that we are entering upon a region of light evenings with their soft lulling beauties and of short nights when late as we go to rest we can almost bid defiance to horrors and the depressions of darkness there is a monthly spring of the spirits too when the young moon appears again and we have the prospect of three weeks pleasure in her course if the sky be propitious i have often smiled in detecting in myself this sense of property in such shows in becoming aware of a sort of resentment a feeling of personal grievance when the sky is not propitious when i have no benefit of the moon for several nights together through the malice of the clouds or the sea haze in spring but now i have learned by observation where and when to look for the rising moon what a superb pleasure it is to lie watching the sea-line night after night unwilling to shut the window to leave the window-couch to let the lamp be lighted till the punctual and radiant blessing comes answering to my hope surpassing my expectation and appearing to greet me with express and consolatory intent should i actually have quitted life without this set of affections if i had not been ill i believe it and moreover i believe that my interest in these spectacles of nature has created a new regard to them in others i see a looking out 
for the rising moon among the neighbours who have possessed the same horizon line all their lives but did not know its value till they saw what it is to me i observed the children from the cottage swinging themselves up to obtain a peep over the palings when they see me on the watch in the window and an occasional peep at a planet through my telescope appears to dress the heavens in quite a new light to such as venture to take a look they do not know however anything of my most thrilling experience of these things for it happens when they are all at rest i keep late hours for the sake of husbanding my seasons of ease and now and then i have nerve enough to look abroad for my last vision of the day an hour after midnight when the gibbous moon having forsaken the sea slowly surmounts the priory ruins on the high rock appearing in the black blue heaven like a quite different planet from that which i have been watching and from that which i shall next greet a slender crescent in the light western sky just after sunset to go from this spectacle to one's bed is to recover for the hour one's health of soul at least and the remembrance of such a thrill is a cordial for future sickly hours which strengthens by keeping i have a sense of property too in the larks which nestle in all the furrows of the down it is a disquietude to see them start up and soar with premature joy on some mild january day before our snows and storms have begun when i detect in myself a feeling of duty to the careless creatures a longing to warn them by my superior wisdom that they must not reckon yet on spring and on april mornings when the shadows are strong in the hollows and some neighbour's child sends me in a handful of primroses from the fields i look forth as for my due to see the warblers spring and fall and to catch their carol above the hum and rejoicing outcry of awakening nature if the yellow butterflies do not come to my flower-box in the sunny noon i feel myself wronged but they do come and so do the bees and there are times when the service is too importunate when the life and light are more than i can bear and i draw down the blind and shut myself in with my weakness and with thoughts more abstract but when in former days had simple natural influences such power over me how is it that the long-suffering sick already deprived of so much are ever needlessly debarred from natural and renovating pleasures like these watch the effect upon them of a picture or a print of a breezy tree of a gushing stream of a group of children swinging on a gate in a lane if they do not because they cannot express in words the thirst of their souls for these images observe how their eyes wistfully follow the portfolio or volume of plates which ministers this scenery to them observe how in looking at portraits their notice fastens at once on any morsel of background which presents any rural objects observe the sad fondness with which they cherish flowers how reluctantly it is admitted that they fade mark the value of presence of bulbs 
above the most splendid array of plants in flower which kind people love to send to sick prisoners plants in bloom are beautiful and glorious but the pleasure to a prisoner is to see the process of growth it is less the bright and fragrant flower that the spirit longs for than the spectacle of vegetation blessings on the inventors and improvers of fern houses we feel towards them a mingling of the gratitude due to physicians and appropriate to the good people we find under their glass bells fairy gifts and prescriptions devised with consummate skill in towns let the sick prisoner have a fern house as a compensation for rural pleasures and in the country as an addition to them blessings on the writers of voyages and travels and not the less for their not having contemplated our case in describing what they have seen a schoolboy's or a soldier's eagerness after voyages and travels is nothing to that of an invalid we are insatiable in regard to this kind of book to us it is scenery exercise fresh air the new knowledge is quite a secondary consideration we are weary of the aspect of a chest of drawers tired of certain marks on the wall and of many unchangeable features of our apartment so that when a morning comes and our eyes open on these objects and we foresee the seasons of pain or bodily distress or mental depression which we know must come round as regularly as the hours we loathe the prospect of our day things clear up a little when we rise and we think we ought to be writing a letter to such a one which has been on our conscience for some time while the paper and ink are being brought we put out our hand for that book arrived or laid in sight this morning it is a journal of travels to the polar sea or over the passes of the alps or in the punjab or in central or south america here the leaves turn over rapidly there we linger and read one paragraph again and again dwelling fondly on some congregation of images to be seen by our bodily eyes no more on we go till stopped by the fluttering and distress the familiar pain or the leaden down sinking of the spirits and wonder that our trying time has come so soon before the letter is written it has not come soon it is only that some hours of our penance have been beguiled that we have been let out of our prison for a holiday and are now brought back to our schooling but the good does not end here we see everything with different eyes the chest of drawers the walls the bookshelves and the pattern of the rug we have been seeing the northern lights and icebergs we have been watching for avalanches or for the sunrise from etna or gazing over the pampas or peering through the primeval forest and fragments of these visions freshen the very daylight to us blessings above all on christopher north we cannot but wonder whether he ever cast a thought upon such as we are when breasting the breeze on the moors or pressing up the mountain-side or watching beside the trout stream or summoning the fowls of heaven and passing them in review into his aviary or especially whether he had any thought of recreating us when he sent forth his 
recreations within reach of our hands if he did not think of sick prisoners in issuing his vital breezy book he has missed a pleasure worthy of a heart like his he pities the town-dwellers who might relish nature and will not but his pity for them must be destitute of the zest which pity derives from a consciousness of helpfulness he can hardly help those to country privileges who will not help themselves but has he remembered the chamber-dwellers the involuntary plotters within narrow bounds few in comparison with the other class it is true but if estimated by emotion by experience in which his heart can sympathize not less entitled to his regards whether he thought of us or not he has recreated us whether he is now conscious of the fact or not his spirit has come many a time while his tired body slept and opened our prison doors and led us a long flight over mountain and moor lake and lee and dropped us again on our beds refreshed and soothed to dream at least of having felt a long-lost sensation of health once more blessings on him then as the kindest of the friendly ghosts who use well their privilege of passing in and out of all secret and sorrowful places as they go to and fro on the earth if he has ministered to us with more or less deliberate intent he needs not to be told with what heartiness we drink his health in the first full draught of the spring west wind how cordially we pledge him in the sparkling thunder-shower or the brimming harvest moon oh if every one who sorrows for us would help us to assert our claim to nature's nursing we should soon have our solace and our due we have not all the vigour and spirit nor even the inclination in our morbid state to turn our faces to the fountain of solace the fresh waters which cool the spirit when fretted by its tormenting companion we cannot infallibly keep alive in our weak selves the love of nature which would lead us to repose ourselves upon her and forget the evils which even she cannot cure but this should be done for us when our sentence is passed clear and irreversible the next thing is to make it as lenient as possible in its operation and especially by seeing that it is through no oversight that if the outward man must decay the inward man is not renewed day by day this renewal say some must be by grace while well, nature is god's grace meant to abound to all and not least to those whom by his chastening he may be humbly supposed to love End of chapter three